Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. And I am here with Julie, and we're going to get into a topic that I think, just generally speaking, more companies need to be thinking about. <laughs> uh, Julie, please first start with a bio, and then let's get into this. Sure. So my name is Julie Turney. I am from the beautiful island of Barbados. Ooh. I've been in human resources for the last 15 years, and I focus mainly on helping organizations to create people-first cultures but I'm also an HR for HR coach. So I help HR professionals also to be great at what they do, lean in and lead with purpose. I'm also a podcaster and I have a show called HR Sound Off and I'm also the lead organizer for Disrupt HR, which is a speaking series that happens all throughout the world where we talk about innovation, culture, talent, how we can make the workplace better and just you know treat people in the workplace like human beings having people first cultures and why that's important. Hmm. That just seems like just the right thing to be doing. I think in this day and age. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) To be, to be be treating people like human beings. Now I, I want, I want to, I want to clarify some, I don't like to, to spend too much time on the negative. However, Mm -hmm. I do want to understand and I do want to make sure that other folks understand what are some of the negative things that are happening right now with respect to treating people in a corporate environment or beyond? Yeah. So what do we need to solve? What do we need to fix here? We need to, I think ultimately, one of the major challenges that we have is that organizations don't recognize we hire people to do a job, right? We put a vacancy out, we create a job description, we go through the recruitment process, we hire Ruben and we say, Ruben, this is the job I want you to do. You get excited about it, we bring you in and then something changes, right? Um, We're either micromanaging you 24 seven or Mm. you have a situation that's happening in your life and we're not giving you the necessary time to deal with that. We're going through this COVID-19. Everyone is feeling the effects of COVID-19. And we're not dealing with how people are feeling about it psychologically or physically if they have contracted COVID-19. And all of these situations just have led to this melting pot of why we're not humanizing the workplace and we're not treating people like human beings, Mm -hmm. not helping them to understand what the overall strategy is of the company and then expecting them to deliver when they don't understand what they're supposed to be delivering on. Mm. That's so interesting to me. You know, I, I recently saw a, a post uh, on social um, my, by, uh, uh, who was it, Neil, Neil Tyson. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, there, there was, it was a really interesting quote he said. He said, if kids are cheating in school, it's because the teachers are not engaging them in the right ways, you know, mm-hmm. teaching them in the right ways so that they value education more than they value the grades. 
Right. And the parallel that I'm trying to make here is that there's really two perspectives of this this conflict that we have. There's there's the co- there's the conflict from the company's perspective of what is it that we can do better at, and what is it that ultimately we can do to serve the the corporate needs, uh, and of course corporate is based on human beings. Yeah. And then the second thing is from the employee's perspective. You know, what if I am not being treated right? How can I raise my hand to make recommendations in my corporate environment to improve that. So where would you say your focus lies more? I understand that you're in HR. I understand that your clients are businesses, but yeah. you know, I want to make sure in this combo that we, that we kind of represent both parties, which yeah. I, I know you do, and I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I'm just sort of making a mental note here. So yes. uh, I'm going to start with this first question here. What are the th- top three things that companies need to do to get their HR environment, to get their corporate culture environment more fair? So the top three things that we can, organizations can do to help HR is number one, listen. When we speak, listen, you hired us for a reason. So when we're making recommendations, listen. Even if we disagree, let's agree to disagree and respectfully so. But let's not completely dismiss everything that is being said. If you have an HR professional who's worth their salt, they are understanding your organization, they're looking at your data, and they're giving you actionable insights to have the best talent, to create purposeful work, and to create managers or leaders in the organization who care about where we're going and how we're going forward. And I would say, so listening for me would be the top priority. And then second, I would say, recognize that your HR professional is a partner and that together you are going to help to create this amazing culture. And so as you work together, then you recognize how you're building your organization. And then third, I would say, make sure holistically, you are building people who feel the same way and are just as jazzed as you are. If everybody is aligned, then the organization is going to grow. You're going to keep your people engaged. You're going to boost culture. People are going to want to stay and they're going to want to work there. It all centers around how you create that feedback, how you create that purposeful culture um, from the ground up. Mm. That makes a lot of sense to me. And then what about the, the, the employee's perspective? You know, what if an employee is in an environment where uh, they're not happy and there's a conflict? What do you recommend in that situation? Conversations. Conversations all the time. You should never know that someone is unhappy the day that they leave the day that they resign, you should know that long before. (laughs) And you should have been able to find ways to nip that in the bud from the moment the person expressed their unhappiness. Um, I love um, Cloud Silva. She always says, I'm always, she's always thinking about how do you ignite people? Mm. And from a business perspective, I think everyone, if you're in a leadership space, in the HR space, you should be thinking about how you ignite the people in your organization. No matter what level they are at, people are people. They want to know that they belong. They want to know that they have purpose. They want to know that you care about what they're doing, that what they're doing every single day means something 
overall to the organization. And when people don't feel that and they don't know that and they, they lose focus, they lose engagement. So you want to build on that by talking to people all the time. Leaders should be communicating with their people. HR should be communicating with people. Everyone should be talking so that whenever you're unhappy about something, I should be able to figure that out from the moment you're not happy and not on the day you resign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really good feedback. I, I love what you said when you said that the day that someone resigns is not when you should figure out that they're unhappy. Yeah. And and even more so that there's that there's problems. Yeah. Know? You know, um, you definitely shouldn't know that on the last day when the person goes here, I've had enough of you. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, and I think that, you know, there is a, a win-win here in this situation. You know, we have seen a number of examples. Uh, you know, the, the founder of, of uh, Gravity Payments, you know, he's kind of famous for increasing his U.S. minimum wage for all of his employees to a, a, a very high rate and making the spread between the lowest paid employee to the highest paid employee dramatically less than what we might see in a typical corporate environment. Mm -hmm. And what what they saw as a team as a result of this was hyper amounts of productivity because people felt they felt so rewarded and they Mm -hmm. felt like it was such a fair environment that their sales skyrocketed, you know? So, you know, I think that the CEO or founders, executives that might argue, hey, listen, if we pay people more, this is going to happen. Or if we invest into that XYZ resource, that it's just going to take away from our bottom line. Mm-hmm. When in fact, there is a way that it actually increases it. Yeah. And that's an, that it's an investment ultimately. Yes. I think some people fear transparency. Mm. But there is value in transparency when, when, when everything is on the table to a certain extent. But if the majority of what you're exposing is, is there for people to see, like I've never understood why salaries are a secret. Hmm. I've never understood why we couldn't share pay scales across companies or across um, industries for people to understand that the pay is fair. I've never understood why there's a difference between if I live in North America versus if I live in South America, but I'm doing the same job, why the salary is different Mm. Um, versus the cost of living and and what it just costs for me to live on a day-to-day basis, whether I'm single or I'm a mother of five or three, or I have a family of seven. Um, Those things shouldn't matter. What matters is this is the job. This is what the job is worth. And these two should go together and it shouldn't mm. matter if i am who i am it shouldn't matter if this is me versus that is you or that is jenny or that is arthur it shouldn't matter it is the job this is the pay mm. now that that you might get some resistance on i, um, I know and and I think that and I understand where you're coming from, but I think that there are some 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 serious economic. One might argue that there are some economic reasons why that might happen, based on I think you said it. I think it's based on you know living expenses. I think it's yeah. just based on uh, ov- overall sort of sort of general uh, general stats. You know, but I, I understand the essence of what you're saying. That makes sense to me. Um, you know, I think that there are some countries that that do get more outsourcing. 
uh, and for them, it's might be considered insourcing, you know, whether it's in Asia or South America, you know, mm -hmm. because because the pay rates are are maybe lower, lower than more yes. developed nations. And that's exactly why our Apple phones and so many of the things that we buy are not <laughs> built in America, because if yeah. this if this phone were built in America, it would I think there's some statistics. It would be five thousand dollars. Yes. And yeah. I just I just went to the checkout page on Apple for for an iPhone 12. And it was $1,500, and I felt a massive sticker shock when I saw that. I said, $1,500 for a phone? My computer is not that much you know, at all. And that was a sticker shock. So there are some economic implications, but yes. I, I understand the essence of what you're saying. Yeah, just ultimately, like we need to really think about how that difference really works and how we justify it. Mm, yeah. Now, you know, there, there's something kind of nuanced that I, that I think about a lot, which is, you know, this idea, we, we spoke about transparency, right? Yeah. So there is an inherent risk, at least from a perceived, from a perception, from an employee's perception, mm -hmm. that if A, I raise my hand and I complain about X, Y, and Z within a company, that I am making myself vulnerable. I am calling someone out. I'm ridiculing someone. I'm basically not being a team player and I'm not, quote unquote, going with the flow, you know? Um, the... The reason I, I suppose that a lot of people do not raise their hand with issues is because they're afraid and they don't want to get in trouble mm -hmm. if they do say that, hey, so-and-so is doing this or we need such and such. So how do, you, how do you preserve the culture, the camaraderie, the trust in a, an environment that does actually have that transparency that you speak of? So... There are a couple of things that I'm thinking could think of here, and one of them is trust. Um, so, over time, how we communicate messages is is very important. Do you communicate messages organizational wide, and if you do that, how do you communicate those messages, or do you communicate in a way that is? Um, individual like do i get my managers to communicate it do i make sure all of the leaders are on the same page and then i say okay all of my leaders are on the same page and this is we're going to funnel this message down then i know each team has received the same message and then we put something out in the public people go okay well we already knew this already because ruben's such a great leader he already told me that and julie already told me it depends on the kind of culture that you're building for your organization. But I, I say conversation is key wherever, no matter what. Whenever change is being implemented, it should be communicated. Whenever people are upset, they should have a, a, way, a channel, someone that they can go to to have that conversation with. If it's their immediate manager, you need to create that psychological safety to say, hey, Ruben, if you're not happy about anything, please come tell me and let's see if we can figure it out. If it's bigger than me, I will support you. I'll have your back. And people should feel that no matter what. When people don't feel that, then this is where we have issues. And so we lose that trust. But trust is key in order for people to feel like they are belong or that mm. they're being heard or yeah. they're being respected. That doesn't happen if the conversations don't flow and we don't give people the psychological safety that they need to do that or be that. Mm. 
Yeah, that's that's well said. I mean, one of the things that I really think about is this idea of a common goal. Yes. You know, in a team, when we all share a common goal, which which is a whole nother conversation about how people are compensated. You know, people in marketing are compensated this way and people in, you know, operations like this and people in sales through commissions and whatnot. But I think that having a common goal, I think what it does is that it sets a, a preface for for conversations so that those types of uncomfortable conversations can be had. You know, hey, boss, listen, I really think that if we were to do this, if we were to get, uh, you know, free kombucha every day to our homes, that we would increase our productivity by, by 10%. Mm -hmm. And that would be uh, 100x investment and in ROI. I think we should do it. If that's the, the sell, yeah. <laughs> you know, and if you're going with that common goal, then then you might have a stance. Now, I'm not saying that that applies to everything. In some situations, mm -hmm. it doesn't. But no. I do know this, that happiness and mental health are two things that are not on KPIs and they're not on metrics. There's no chart. The C CFO doesn't log in and see where is our employee happiness and how does yeah. that connect to our revenue? But I think you, Julie, are, are here to evangelize that to the world, that actually Absolutely. happiness is good for everyone. Absolutely. And and recognizing and respecting people's mental health. Like mm. we all have mental health, right? What we may not all have is mental illness, but we all have <laughs> mental health. And how we yeah. deal with that is is key to how we have successful organizations. Because when people are happier, they are they create more, they innovate more, they're less absent from work. They get stuff done. When we recognize that people have issues that are not being dealt with, um, and, and this whole thing of only bring your work self to work doesn't work. So, you know, like if you've ever been told, look, keep your situations at the door. When you come in here, <laughs> you do this, right? You're asking people to leave half of themselves at the door or maybe even three quarters of themselves at the door. It's, it's impossible, impossible. And how do you expect productivity? How do you expect growth? You can't. But when you give people that safe space and then you say, okay, and I'm going to help you figure this out with whatever program I put in place to give you the necessary outlets to be successful in your personal life, then your employees are going to flourish. I mm. believe that. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, my son right now is going through homeschooling. He's seven years old and he is happier than a pig in mud. He loves <laughs> the fact he can wake up at different times in the morning. Uh -huh. And, you know, we found him an amazing overseas tutor that, that is magnificent. And they have a great relationship. You know, he doesn't have to deal with the stress of going to school and then being at the cafeteria or not liking what is what was packed in his lunch and, you know, weird <laughs> activities that might, he might not be interested. In. And, and most of all, maybe just getting bored because that's yeah. just a, that's just another thing. That's a whole other thing. But but the reason why I'm mentioning this is because one of the things that I think about, you know, as a parent and I and I sometimes I ask him, I say, hey, how long do you want to be homeschooled for? He's like, oh, as long as I can. And I said, so do you do you want to do do you want to do high school as homeschooled? And he's like, yeah, why not? I'm enjoying it. Mm -hmm. So you know, I have these visions where he's like, you know, 17 years old, and he's like in his pajamas getting homeschooled at home. 
And, you know, I freak out a little bit. And the reason there's a kind of a story with this. And the reason why I, you know, have concerns about this, even though I think homeschooling is very beneficial and obviously the one to one attention is awesome. But I think to myself, is he acquiring the soft skills? Is he acquiring the skills in order to manage himself on the playground? Mm-hmm. So that if there's an unfair environment, if something is taken away from him, if he's treated poorly or if he wants to help someone or if there is a bully, so on and so forth, all, uh, you know, so many issues that we're dealing with in, in, yes. in, in, in a corporate environment. Yeah. Is he learning those soft skills so that in life he can actually manage? Right. right. I think about this a lot and okay. I have worked with people that are exceptional at those skills they mm-hmm. just get everyone to, to like them. It's almost like right. in their drawer next to their bed, they've got all those books that kind of uh-huh. in, win friends and influence people. And, you know, every day they read them and they're reminded or they're just naturally born with a gift. Uh-huh. So here's my question for you. How can we improve our soft skills to work better in team environments? Empathy. How do you build how do you build a soft skill like at the end of the day it's either um you can't just go and read a book and be like oh i'm empathetic i oh i i you know i really understand people i get this these are things that you have to learn and i think it starts with understanding yourself if i understand myself and what i want out of life and I'm willing to share that with other people, then I'm going to put myself in a space where I give so I can receive Mm. that in return, right? If I want people to respect me, then I I respect other people. And I I say everything with dignity and respect. My team will always tell you that when it like, whenever I say we're communicating a message, I would say everything with dignity and respect, because that's what I want. I want people to treat me with dignity and respect. So I want to hear people and I want to actively hear people so I can repeat what they're saying so I can also feel what they're, what vibe they're giving me off. These things are very important to me, but they're not, they're things that you learn over time. What kind of leader do I want to be or what kind of human being do I want to be? Do I want to be a giver or do I want to be a taker? And then based on who you decide you want to be, then that's what you're going to deflect or reflect. And so for me, I think it's about taking the time to learn and understand yourself. Once you learn and understand yourself and what you want out of life, then you will you will give that to others and they will return it. Mm. Might sound, I don't know, like to some people that might sound like that makes no sense. I like it. It makes total sense. It's the truth. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. it comes down to that. um, When Jesus said, you know, all the things that you want other people to do to you, you do to them also or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right. The golden rule. Exactly. And I think that it it pretty much stems from that. Know yourself and however you want to be treated, treat other people the same. Mm. Amazing. Well, so good. Such insightful information. Um, I, I really appreciate your time. Where can people learn more about you? 
Okay, so I am on every social media platform. Uh, mainly LinkedIn is where I pretty much hang out on LinkedIn a lot. So my, you can find me there on I am Julie Turney, and everywhere else, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all I am Julie Turney. That's I A M J U L I E T U R N E Y. Amazing, and we will we will share that in the in the notes here. Sure. Uh, I'll end with a quote from Rihanna, who's from the beautiful island of Barbados. That she is. <laughs> <laughs> and Barbados, a lot of people don't know this, but Barbados is where they produce the oldest, the world's oldest rum. Mom so I, I think yes. that's also note, noteworthy. Uh, <laughs> and here's, here's, the, here's the quote. It's tougher to be vulnerable than to actually be tough, Rihanna. Yes, that is absolutely true but vulnerability definitely will save you a lot of heartache and pain now that's a paradox that's the that's the payoff that's the payoff yeah and i think a lot of people are afraid to be vulnerable but vulnerability really is key especially if you want to be successful in business or you want to be successful as a leader you want to be successful period like vulnerability is key so good. Well, Julie, I, I am so grateful for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ruben. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Be well, my friend. You too. Have fun in paradise. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great weekend. You too. <laughs>